0: Well, in this time between Easter and Pentecost the last few weeks, I've been preaching through some Old Testament texts that point forward to Pentecost in different ways. This morning, I'm going to be reading from Deuteronomy and talking about the party of Pentecost. Now, when we as Christians think of Pentecost, we usually think of the time in the book of Acts in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit came down in wind and fire and filled Christ's disciples with God's power. But Pentecost has a much, much longer history than that. In the Old Testament, the Israelites had a number of festivals that they celebrated every year, and the Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks as it was called in the Old Testament, was one of the major times of celebration they had every year. So for our text this morning, we'll be reading instructions about how the Israelites were supposed to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. This feast would take place close to the end of the harvest season, just as people were finishing gathering in their crops. Let's read Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 to 12. Count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place He will choose as a dwelling for His name. You, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maidservants, the Levites in your towns, and the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. Now, since the Old Testament setting that we read about today is so different from our life here, I'm going to use some pictures from our time as missionaries in Nigeria to illustrate my points this morning, so you'll see those on the screen throughout the message. Now, as I said, Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, happened right at the end of harvest season. And of course, harvest time is incredibly busy in a farming society. People live and die based on how the harvest goes. So they are out working in the fields from dawn until dusk for weeks and weeks on end. For the rice harvest where we were in Nigeria, people would head out to the field early in the morning and they'd have these little knives that were maybe six inches long and kind of curved and they'd spend the whole day cutting rice. So you'd take this knife and you'd bend down, you'd grab a handful, you'd cut it. You'd bend down, you'd grab a handful, you'd cut it, throw it in the pile. Bend down, grab a handful, cut it. Throw it in the pile, bend down. All day, day after day, week after week, pile after pile, people would be out in the fields harvesting and harvesting and harvesting and harvesting. And then, when all the rice was cut, groups of people would get together. They'd gather all of someone's rice crop up on a cloth or a tarp or whatever they could get hold of. And then they'd take some sticks and they'd beat it and they'd throw it in the air and they'd beat it some more to get the kernel separated from all the chaff and all the extra stuff that came with it. People would work and work and work at this. And when they got done with one field, they'd gather up the rice. They'd put it in someone's silo, they'd go on to the next field, and they'd repeat over and over and over again. But finally, everybody's harvest would be in, and people would be exhausted, but they would also have this sense of fullness and accomplishment. Their silos would be full, their stomachs would be full, and on a good year, their wallets would be full too. Now that passage from Deuteronomy starts out with that sense of fullness and completion, in the Old Testament, seven was a number of completion. If something was done seven times, it was really done well. It was completed. At the beginning of everything, God created the world in six days, and then on the seventh day, he rested because everything was good and complete and filled up. Now, in Hebrew, the word for week is almost identical to the word for seven. So when verses 9 and 10 talk about counting off seven weeks after you start the harvest, they're hinting at this sense of fullness. The NIV smooths that text out a little bit so it reads more smoothly. But literally, it's something like, count seven sevens. Remember, seven sevens. And then celebrate the Feast of Sevens, which becomes the Feast of Weeks in English. When Deuteronomy starts talking about the Feast of Weeks, it starts out with this sense of the symbolism of sevens in the background. We're supposed to understand from the subtle hints in this text that the harvest has come in and that it has been a good harvest and that God has blessed his people fully. Now, of course, for us today, it's hard to have that same sense because we aren't all full-time farmers Maybe if we were preaching this sermon in the middle of Iowa, we'd have it a little more clearly. But for us city folk, we have to translate a bit. So what harvest has God blessed us with? What does a full harvest look like in our lives? Well, obviously, this is a bit different for each of us. But for all of us, God has made the world in such a way that people can work in it, that people's work can bring benefits and results and harvests. And God has given all of us different abilities and he's given all of us different opportunities to use those abilities. And so if we're Christians, any good work that we do, any good results that come from our work, those are the harvest that God has blessed us with. If you're in school and you study and work hard and at the end you've really come to understand what you're studying, you get good grades, maybe you even get some scholarships, well that's a form of harvest for us today. Or if you've poured your efforts into some project at work and you've seen things come together and you've built something that just works right or you've gotten the contract or you've solved the problem or you've made a product work, that's a form of harvest in our lives. And even if you've just gone to work, you've done the work that was put in front of you and you've provided for your family, that's a form of harvest in our lives today or if you've been really involved in things at church, if you've helped out with Spring Fest, or you've worked with children's ministries, or Sunday school, or been on a committee, or gone on service projects, and you've seen fruit come of that, that is a harvest from God in our lives today. There aren't very many of us today who can count our blessing in terms of bags of rice or piles of wheat, but God has blessed each and every one of us in different ways. And everything else in this text, and just about everything in our lives, comes out and depends on those blessings that God has given us. So verse 9 tells the Israelites to count off seven sevens till the day the harvest is done. And then verse 10 tells them to celebrate. And the very first part of that celebration is to give a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings that the Lord their God has given them. Now, in verses 10 and 11, Deuteronomy says the Lord your God several times, and then it also adds in a reference to God's name. Now, you may remember a few weeks ago when Pastor Koning was here, he talked about two of God's names in the Old Testament. There's Elohim, which we translate as God, and that's sort of the generic name for the creator God. All the people of the time would have known that name. But then the Old Testament talks about Yahweh, which we hear translated as Lord. And this is the special name that God had told only to his own people. The Lord, Yahweh, is the covenant, personal, family name of God. So when Deuteronomy says over and over again in this text, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, it's reminding the people that the Lord is their faithful, loving God. This is the God who has adopted them as his people. This is the God who has blessed them. This is the God who has saved them. So the offering of the Feast of Weeks begins with what God has already done for his people. Blessing generates offering. Grace generates gratitude. Salvation generates service. Now in Nigeria, as the harvest would begin to come in, people would respond to God's blessing in kind. And there, responding or paying in kind meant that instead of showing up with money, you'd show up with some harvest from your, prop, from your crops to pay for something. So people often would just take part of their harvest and they'd bring it right to the church service. So some Sunday mornings, we'd show up to find a bucket full of corn or a bag of rice or a wheelbarrow full of grain just sitting right there in the middle of the congregation's worship space. So for the deacons this morning, be glad we only have the little baskets because those wheelbarrows could really be a handful sometimes. But seriously, when we showed up and those gifts would be there, we would begin worship with a sense of God's tangible blessing. This was a concrete expression in our midst of God's people expressing their gratitude to the Lord God who who had brought the rain, who had brought the sun, and who had brought the harvest. Now, again, for us here and now, it's a little bit more difficult to draw that straight line between what God has done for us and what we give back to God. If you're a farmer and you've seen the rain come, you've seen the sun come, and you've seen the crops grow, it can be pretty straightforward to say, God has arranged for this blessing to happen, so I'm going to give back to God. For us, we have to draw a little bit longer of a line and think about it a little bit more. So, how today do we celebrate what God has blessed us with? How do we give back from the harvest that He has given us? Well, to begin with, we give an offering back to the Lord whenever we use the abilities and opportunities that He places in our lives for His glory and to make creation work. When you, as a Christian, do any kind of work well, or when you do any kind of good work, you are celebrating God's blessing in your life. When you study hard, when you figure out a way to make a business run better, when you teach a child something new, when you raise children, you are using God's given gifts to create a harvest. And that can be an occasion for celebration and giving thanks back to God. We can also give thanks to God just by thanking Him. We can come here to church and in each of our lives, we can pray, we can sing, and we can celebrate God's gifts in our lives. And of course, you've probably been waiting for this, we can also give an offering to God by giving our time and our money to church and to other good works. Now this one can be a little bit harder to talk about. Whenever we hear someone talk about giving money or volunteering, I think all of us have a little bit of this reflex to grab our wallets with one hand, to grab our calendars with the other, and hold on tight for the duration. And this is only natural. We have so many things screaming for our time and our money that we do need to hold on and be a little bit careful and wise with how we spend those things. But when it comes to giving to the Lord, the point is not that God wants to get something from us. It's not that God wants to impoverish us. It's not that God needs our offering. God has already given us everything we have, and everything good in our lives comes from God. The proper response to God's blessing is to celebrate by giving in gratitude. And of course, the Lord has blessed each and every one of us in different ways. And each of us is able to give back to the Lord in different ways. Some of us today can give thousands and thousands and thousands to the church without any trouble. Others of us have to keep our budgets really, really tight. And we're only able to give a few dollars every now and then. Some of us can spend hours and hours and hours involved with different church things. And some of us only have a little bit of time every now and then. God calls all of us to give as much as we can, but he's also blessed all of us differently. And in all of these things, it isn't really about the amounts. The amount of time and money that you give can be a thermometer for how your spiritual life is going, but the point isn't really how things look on the inside. The point is what is going on with your heart. God is not nearly so concerned with your wallet or with your calendar As he is with your heart. This is all about what your heart is getting wrapped up in. Is your heart getting wrapped up in and choked out by money, by the concerns of the world, by getting ahead in life, by keeping yourself safe from all concerns? Or is your heart getting wrapped up in God and in his work? Are you finding greater joy and freedom and blessing in Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is the Spirit leading you to deeper trust in Christ and to living out your faith more and more in all the areas of your life? When we give our offerings to God, we are declaring our thanks to God for blessing us. We are declaring our trust in God to provide for us. And we are also declaring our freedom from the slavery of stuff. God wants to set us free from all of those endless wants that we have. Left to ourselves, we so easily become slaves to things. Apart from God's work, all of us enslave ourselves to our desires, to our money, and to our stuff. When we give to God, we gain the freedom from the slavery of centering our lives around acquiring, protecting, and perpetually worrying about what we have and what we can get for ourselves. God has blessed all of us hugely in different ways. Don't miss the opportunity to celebrate God's gifts by giving an offering back to the Lord, however you're able. But also don't miss the joy and the freedom that comes in laying down our things and giving these offerings. The Lord has given us everything. He has brought us from death to new life in Christ And he has filled our lives to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Let God's grace guide your giving and celebrate through the offerings that you bring to the Lord. Now Deuteronomy 16 continues in verse 11 with a call to rejoice in God. Verse 11 says it's party time and that party is part of what the Feast of Weeks was about. There were worship services certainly and there was food and there were time to see family and friends and time just to rest and be refreshed after a long season of hard work for the harvest. So Deuteronomy calls the people to rejoice and it calls all of the people. Come and rejoice. You, says verse 11, and your son, your daughter, your slave, the Levite, the alien, the fatherless, the widow. Come together with everybody. Bring the whole community together And all of you celebrate and rejoice. Have a party with the whole family. Now, the tribes we worked with in Nigeria had all kinds of traditional tribal religious festivals. And when people became Christians, they often lost a lot of their old family and religious connections because to follow Jesus, they had to separate themselves from a lot of the traditional rituals. So they desperately needed their Christian community to give them a place to belong. And that came out especially at times of celebration, like communion Sundays and Christian holidays. People would come together from miles and miles and miles around. And there'd be a meal or two, there would be a big worship service, there'd be singing and dancing, there'd be a sermon or sometimes two, there'd be testimonies and offerings, and then toward the end we'd often share in communion. And at that point, it didn't matter who you were or where you were from. It didn't matter what village you came from. It didn't matter if you'd grown up a Christian or not. It didn't matter if you'd come there on foot, bicycle, camel, or truck. It didn't matter if you were from 100 feet or 10,000 miles away. We were all one in the celebration of the feast of our Lord and Savior. Everybody had come to rejoice in the blessings of the Lord God. And everybody rejoiced and celebrated together. Now, unlike some of the other things we've talked about this morning, this one translates pretty easily to our lives. We all share in communion. We all come together in community. We eat together. We sing together. We pray together. We listen to God's word together. We do all kinds of things together, including rejoicing. And today is Mother's Day, and it's good for us to rejoice, especially today in mothers and in the children God has given us. Mothers work hard and they never get enough credit or enough thanks. So it's good to celebrate the gifts of mothers on this day. But Deuteronomy tells us to rejoice with the whole community of faith. Verse 11 tells us to rejoice with our immediate families, with our sons and daughters and the people of our house and also the alien and the fatherless and the widow. We as Christians are called to celebrate with those in the spotlight And also with those who are on the edges. It's good for us this day to celebrate our mothers. But in our church, we also need to care for and welcome those among us who always wanted to be mothers or fathers and who never got the chance. We need to care for and welcome those among us who are desperately hoping for family and children, and yet nothing is happening. We need to care for and welcome those among us who have lost children, whatever the circumstances. We need to care for and welcome the single parents in our midst and their children. We need to care for and welcome those who have lost their parents or who never knew their parents. We need to care for and welcome those who have lost a spouse and who are struggling to make it on their own. We need to care for and welcome the people on the margins. The people who don't quite have a place here yet the people who don't know where or how they fit. We are the family of God, and we are called to live together in all things. So when things are going well for you, invite others in. If you have a get-together, remember to invite some people on the margins. If you have a family, invite others into your home, into your family, into your life to join in your fellowship. In the church, we are all one family and we have a unique opportunity to open up our homes, our families, and our lives to share in real fellowship with each other. We are called to be a community like the world has never seen and can never understand. When we take communion together, we experience and express the unity that we have in Jesus and in the Holy Spirit. But we are also called in all of our celebration and rejoicing and our mourning and our grieving and our struggling to express the unity that Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit brings us into if we are God's people. One of the greatest witnesses we can give to the world is to love each other as God has loved us. But as we do this, we need to remember that we have this unity, we are this family because of what God has done, not because of what we do. We need to remember what God has done in our lives and what he is doing if we're to really follow him fully. Deuteronomy sixteen twelve tells the people to remember that they were slaves in Egypt. Now that's just a tiny little phrase, but that phrase is supposed to evoke a whole story of the history of salvation for the Israelites, and it can do the same for us. The Israelites could look back at Exodus where God delivered them from Egypt with signs and wonders and miracles. And we can look back to the cross and the empty tomb when God delivered us from sin and death. And we can look back to that day on Pentecost when God sent his Holy Spirit down to dwell in all of his people forever. At Pentecost, in that time in the New Testament, God began to celebrate the fulfillment of his long-term farming project. God had been working with Israel for centuries upon centuries to benefit all the nations of the world. And in Christ's death and resurrection, we see the first fruits of God's harvest in this world. And then at Pentecost, God himself comes down and he begins to reap a harvest from all of the nations to himself. At the Feast of Weeks, at Pentecost, at the time when the Jewish people for hundreds of years had been celebrating their wheat harvest, God celebrated His spiritual harvest. The book of Acts tells us that on that Pentecost, 3,000 people became believers in Christ. At that Pentecost, God began His great harvest, and He continues that up till today. Pentecost in the Old Testament, that Feast of Weeks, was never really about what the people came and gave to God. Yes, it was an occasion for the people to express their gratitude to God. Yes, it was a time to come together as a community and celebrate. But really, truly, the Feast of Weeks was all about pointing forward to God's ultimate harvest, to His people, to His family, to the people that God would draw out of the nations and into His church. Now in the part of Nigeria where we lived and worked, people had been gathering physical harvest for thousands of years, but in just the past few decades, God has come there and has drawn a huge spiritual harvest. In that place where 30 years ago there were zero churches, now there are dozens and dozens. Where 30 years ago there were zero Christians, now there are thousands and thousands. God is still at work collecting his harvest from all of the nations. Unless we forget, we ourselves are part of that harvest. God has worked in our lives in mighty, mighty ways. For some of us here today, God came into our lives unexpectedly and drew us into his people, to our surprise in some cases. For others of us, we have this huge family history. We can look back to fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandf- grandmothers and great grandparents and great great grandparents going all the way back into the midst of history where God has been at work and has prepared the way for us to believe. For all of us, whether we came to Christ as the first in our family or as the thousandth, we are truly blessed that God has made us part of his harvest. Now our text for today ends by telling the people to follow carefully all of these decrees. Deuteronomy tells us to continue to count, to celebrate, to rejoice, and to remember. In the Feast of Weeks, God gave his people a sign of what was to come. And in the New Testament, God came down in the Holy Spirit and he took up residence in the lives of his people. We ourselves are the spiritual harvest that God has reaped. And so every week that we live can be a festival of fullness and rejoicing. So today, carefully follow these decrees. Count the blessings the Lord your God has given you Celebrate those blessings and pass them on to others. Rejoice before God with our whole community of faith and remember how God has filled our lives with his gifts and now most of all with his presence.